morning, and Beth suggested that we should sing O Canada here. And uh, it's probably once every seven years, the way the calendar goes, that, that Canada Day, or as some of us with a few years on us, on us used to call it Dominion Day, and it's still that way in my mind, uh, falls on a Sunday, so... Let's all stand and, and if Raiden would come up and play, or Beth can play, whatever. We'll see, we'll sing the first verse. second verse, O Canada, where pines and maples grow, great prairies spread and lordly rivers flow, how dear to us thy broad domain from east to western sea, thou land of hope for all who toil, thou true north strong and free. O Canada, beneath thy shining skies, may stalwart sons and gentle maidens rise to keep thee steadfast through the years from east to western sea. Our own beloved, beloved native land, our true north, strong and free. I think there's, I think there's another verse that isn't in this book. But we can be thankful to live in a land where we can freely gather even as we are gathered here this morning. When the children of Israel were in Egypt for 400 and some years, they found themselves possibly more than just in a natural way, but in bondage where they couldn't worship the living and true God. And that was the biggest reason they wanted to leave Egypt, so they could worship in freedom, the freedoms we 
can sometimes take for granted and not even think about it. So, not, not every place in the world people can worship freely. Many have to worship in behind closed doors, we might say, because of the fear of the governments and the powers that be. I was having a hard time finding a text this morning. I'll read, I'll read from Second Corinthians, the end of the fifth chapter, about five verses. Reading these words in Jesus' name. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, 17 to 21. Reading these words in Jesus' name. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled to us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the word unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray for you, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. Greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who multiplied to each one here this morning, now and forever. Amen. We see here how, if, if you read in the preceding verses there to, to what I read, how how Christ came here, as as we all know and as we study and review and remember the Christmas story, how it was that that God himself, who who is, I might say, is heaven, who is in heaven and who is heaven, and, and Jesus was with him in heaven from the beginning. And that's even a, an earthly term, we might say, from the beginning, because with God we don't. At least I can't comprehend and I can't understand how with God there is no beginning and there is no end. So Jesus being with God forever, from ever henceforth and forever henceforth. And I guess I, I, in my natural thinking, wonder how then could, how then could, could God send Jesus to this earth? from the glories of heaven. And and we see in the Christmas story that it says that Mary became with with child and she wondered how, how how all this could take place. And the angel tells her that the po- the power of the highest shall overshadow you and that holy child that you will bear will be the son of God. So Jesus left the glories of heaven to come here and spend time with the likes of you and I, sinful man. 
I believe what it's saying here, um, it says in the 16th verse, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we know, know we him no more. I believe that that Christ was, and, and the word tells us that, that he was God and man. He very likely had a personality. He very likely had likes and dislikes. He very likely had all the things that we as as people in the flesh have. He knew, he knew hurt. He knew joy. He knew hot and cold and tired and refreshed, physically speaking. And I believe that's what it talks about, that we have known him in the flesh. But we know also that Christ came back after he rose from the dead. He said he had the power to lay down his life. Physically speaking, we might say the Roman soldiers put him to death. Nailed him to a cross. Set him up there for people to see. And he died that physical death. He says he has the power to lay down his life. And he has the power to raise himself to life again. I was, As I was reading and looking for something to speak on, I read the story of that 12-year-old girl that had died and they were trying to get a hold of Jesus and and then the the word came that well that's no use no use getting getting Jesus anymore she is dead she she was very sick and and uh, now she's she's gone and those of us that have livestock we know that if there's a sign of life in a new calf we do everything we can to bring that calf to life if it's not naturally, lots of them, they, they just kind of jump to life right away. But sometimes there's problems. and But once they're dead, they're dead. And, and it's an experience, I'm sure, anyone that has gone through this. We learn something, I don't know what it is, but we learn something that there's a point where it's there's life and there's hope. And then we come to that point where you see the little calf is dead. And we say, we have to just accept that. It's, it's happened. That's the way it is. So with this, with this daughter of that, I think it was Jarius, that man, his daughter was dead. And there was this information went out or whatever that, that uh, it's no use calling Jesus. She, she is now dead. She died. Jesus lays his hand on her. He commands her to wake up. She came to life again. A miracle he performed. We might say in his eyes and experience it was a small miracle. But it was, it was a miracle nobody else has ever been able to perform things like that. So we see then that Christ was more than just a man in the flesh, although I'm sure many knew him as nothing more than a man in the flesh. But if we go back to the 16th I think, chapter of, of Matthew, 
when when Jesus asks Peter or he asks all his disciples whom do men say that I the son of man am then we see a different dimension in who he is and we know that there was that one King Herod who says well he's he's John the Baptist has come to life we we beheaded John and here he's come back to life there's something pretty pretty unnatural or supernatural happening here uh, I may be putting words in there but that that's that's the the essence of the story there that that Herod thought well he's John the Baptist come back well, that, that was not true but some say that thou art John the Baptist the disciple answer disciples he just says he asked his disciples and this is what they said some say that thou art John the Baptist some say Elias or or he's Elijah revisited remember what what Jesus said about Elijah he said John the Baptist is is like another Elijah he didn't say that he's been reincarnated but he says he will come in the spirit and the power of Elijah and so he says he tells the people that if you if you can believe well this word and, and this this message that John the Baptist is is Elijah in that way so Jesus asks them specifically now you disciples what do you say who who do you say that I am Simon Peter answered and said thou art the Christ the son of the living God Jesus answered and said unto him blessed art thou Simon Barjona I think Claire spoke last Sunday and, and talked about this blessed state child of God is in it's a it's an enveloping of the power and the love of God envelops mankind and and the devil hates that when the devil was was dealing with with uh, the situation there we read about in Job he says yes but you've you've protected Job you've put this hedge around him we don't we don't stick our chest out to the world and say oh yes we've we've got this supernatural protection but we in humbleness thank god for the protection he does protect us so we're in a blessed state and we read the the beatitudes and it says blessed is he that does this and that Blessed art thou, Simon, Simon, Bar- Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. We, we don't learn who Jesus is or come to any understanding of who he is by taking courses on it or, or learning in a natural way. But Jesus says to the disciples that, that my Father has revealed this unto you. It's quite a quite a revelation, and I say unto you, I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven; whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
There's a song we sing about the keys given to the Christian church. Very good words. So Jesus differentiates here, or, or the, uh, the writer to the Corinthians differentiates how, how it is that Jesus, yes, he was here in the flesh, and some knew him that way. But then it, it says, therefore, if any man, this is the text I read, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things, behold, all things have become new. That doesn't mean that we still don't be living in this world and, and we have to work and provide and eat and sleep and and uh, try and figure out life's problems like anyone else, Christian or unbeliever. But our focus is not on the things of this life anymore. Our, our focus should be well, as, as I say in my poetic way, high above crops and cows, that our focus should be above and beyond the things of this life. Our focus should be fixed on heaven's shore, eternal things. If our focus is fixed on these things, it sheds a different light on every little thing we do, things we see and believe and understand, all the things around us, the way we handle life situations, raise our children, whatever it may be. Our focus is going to be different if our eyes are fixed on eternity. And, and it zeroes down, I, I guess, to this, that when we walk in Christ, we walk a life that is anew. And that doesn't mean we walk in perfection. But we walk believing in one who has lived a perfect life. <coughs> Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given unto us <coughs> the ministry of reconciliation. I guess in this understanding and, and faith we have, we, or maybe it's just me, zero in mostly on going through life and, and striving to keep a clean slate. That we make mistakes, we can offend, we can say things that it might, have, might offend somebody, we can live in such a way that it might offend somebody. But we try to correct these things. The, the unbeliever doesn't try to correct anything. He, does, he, has, he has no understanding. The Word teaches us that the law opens up unto us sin. It reveals unto us what we are. And we read in that one of my favorite verses right after the, the good words of I repeat it so many times, I hope I don't wear it out. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
And, and often that's all we hear of that. But if we read on, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the, in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. And there's another place that says, who is he that condemneth? It is Jesus that condemns. So, so here we see it says that, that, that God didn't send Jesus into this world to condemn the world. In another place it says that it is, it is Christ that condemns. But we have to realize that the difference here is that that's not the purpose he came for. He didn't come to condemn. But right and righteousness does condemn mankind. And it says, He that believeth not is condemned already. At the very presence of what is right, and the very presence of our Lord and Savior, who is right and righteous, when I was a little boy, I, I, I shook and, and feared at the name, at that word righteousness. It just seemed like it was too powerful and too big for me. I, I didn't understand it. Because after all, we're sinners. We're not, we're not perfect. This is condemnation. That light has come into the world. Jesus is that light. And men love darkness rather than light. People, people that are, are not living godly lives, they don't like to come in contact with a light, with a light. And I'm not putting any Christian on a pedestal, but when they come in, there are people who, when they come in contact with the child of God, they, they're friendly and happy to say hi to you, and then it seems like some of them want to run. They don't want to get any more involved with that guy. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. I don't want to get too close to the light. My deeds might, might come out. Might come out into the light. But it says, He that doeth truth cometh to the light. The light draws him. We are... Go back to Jesus on the cross. That draws people for for what how, how it works. I don't know. One man, neighbor that has passed on a few years ago now, said that he he didn't put a lot of thought into it in his younger years. But he says, when I think of Jesus hanging on the cross for me, it. And, and that kind of sunk in, I guess. And, and it says, he said that he, he has to stand back and take notice of that. He that doeth truth cometh the light, that his deeds may be made manifest. Here the, the ungodly man flees from the light, so his deeds are not reproved. The godly man comes to the light. Or the man who is seeking to be or to live a godly life. He comes to the light. He's drawn to it. That his deeds may be, may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. God knows what to do with your troubles and your trials and, and your sins and your misgivings. It says here that this text I read that 
we are reconciled to God. If two people have an argument or a disagreement of some kind, and and we might encourage them to be reconciled, come together and discuss this and and figure out some way to solve this problem between you. We call that to be reconciled. Well, we have to be reconciled to God, or our sins are are like blotting out our any light that would come from, from from God into our lives. Our sins blot out that light. So how is it we can be reconciled to God? What I just read in, in John 3 there. We bring these things to God. Our Lord and Savior is the, uh, the go-between between man and God. We bring these things to Christ, and Christ is found in our brother or sister. Believing people. We can make things right with unbelieving people too. That's it's a proper thing to do. In fact, it's it's a good thing to do because they. I, I think they would quickly realize that people just don't don't do that. There must be something there. Some some higher power or some higher strength that man is given to come to me and make things right with me. We go to one another and make things right when we have wronged. When we come to that realization that we have wronged. We may have wronged somebody and not even realized it. It says, All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we are reconciled or made right with God. There's a place, and I, I'm not good at flipping around and finding things where, where it speaks of, of uh, agree with thine adversary quickly. That, that means if, if we're having struggles or troubles with somebody, find strength to go and speak to them. Make some kind of an agreement. Dad has said, used to say, or, or I've, I don't remember him saying it, but he, I, I know he has said that, that in any kind of a deal, if, if both parties aren't happy, then it's not really a deal. It's not a, one guy goes away with a big smile on his face and the other guy goes away upset about it. That's no deal. But in, in a deal, and, and speaking of business deals, I suppose mostly, but, if if both parties aren't happy with the deal, then, then it isn't a deal. It's it's not not resolved yet. So when we agree with our adversary quickly, I believe that means that we we make some kind of a deal. We we may have to back up in our understandings or thinking of, of what I'm gonna get out of this deal and and we live in this me me first society where we always think we have to be the winner and not concerned about the other person's concerns, and so that's no deal. But we make a deal. We we back up if we have to. And it was interesting. 
at, at Dad's funeral, I talked to the old great-uncle Ray Hillman because he and Dad were friends from children. He was a few years older than Dad, but but he says, your Dad and I have been friends all our lives. And he says, we've had our disagreements at times, but we've always been able to talk things over and talk things out and come to some agreement. That's a good relationship. That's a, what we say, scripturally backed relationship. So we have to be reconciled to not only one another, but we have to be reconciled to God. When there's trouble, we bring our sins to God. Who is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in our fellow brother and sister in faith? It says, All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself. He's done all the work by Jesus Christ and hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given those words of forgiveness. He's given us knowledge and understanding of our sin. He's given us we might say the, the most detailed road map. My father-in-law used to say that this, this word is like a road map for us to get to heaven. He's given us the most detailed road map of, of how we are to go about righting wrongs in life and coming into the light of God and enjoying the, the blessings and the fullness of what God would, I say, he, he has the greatest desire to give us of his blessings. We go to one another and put things away. And we can, in, in full authority with this word behind us, bless one another and encourage one another and command one another to believe. Believe in the work of Christ. And your sins are forgiven. The work has been done. Simply believe it. He's given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. As I read before where it says there that that Jesus says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He tells Peter, Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. He, tell, he, he uses those words, I believe, at the end of John there. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. The devil is bound for all time and all eternity when we can do these things in the name of Jesus. And, and we are loosed. And the devil is bound by and through the name of Jesus. Most powerful of all names. This side of heaven, we might say. He's given us to the ministry of reconciliation to wit, meaning to know that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, God has no desire. Impute means that we would charge someone with 
some wrongdoing or sin, we would hold it against them. We know that in this modern day and age we, we take out loans and we're held accountable for that. We're charged with that, we might say. When we fall into sin, we're charged with that. If we do it willfully and never do anything about it, we have that against us. And when we stand before Jesus on Judgment Day, and it sounds like there's countless books will be opened with everyone's name and account there. But there's a single book that is opened, one book, the Book of Life, where the believers' names are there. And there's every one of us has nothing written that we owe. Jesus has paid the price. It's like the old country store where you had to run up an account for some of the most basic necessities, maybe a pair of rubber boots or something the kids needed. And I, I saw the tail end of that in my youth. There used to be a store, Lee Dale, and just not far from us there, Hakenin's Corner and Gilby. And, and people had to run up a bill there for groceries and, like I say, maybe some clothes even or something. Because they couldn't pay the bill. And when they could, they would pay it off. When we fall into sin, we can't pay the bill. We run up a bill and we cannot pay it off. The scriptures speak of it as a 10,000 talent debt that we're not able, we're not capable. It wouldn't matter if we came across some gold mine or whatever. That does not pay the debt, the sin debt. Christ paid the sin debt. We believe in the work that he has accomplished. The debt is paid. Jesus won that battle in heaven it speaks of. We think of heaven as a the most beautiful place that we can't even imagine the beauty and the peace and the joy and the love that's there. But there in in Hebrews it says there was war in heaven. War is not nice. War is not peace. War is not joy. We, we hate war. And yet it's happening all over the world. We saw this, I would say, unbelievable meeting between President Trump and this man in Korea. And he promises to get rid of his nuclear weapons. And since the day that that's happened, he has upped his mass production of these weapons, something terrible. I just heard this week. The man is a liar. And Trump knows that. But he did try to do something about it. But that's this world. And that's war. And that's the way mankind operates. God is in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And in the next chapter there, it's, it's quite a bit of reading, but it, it's unbelievable the walk of a Christian. 
But anyways, God was reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You and I, in Christ's stead, as it says, we're ambassadors for Christ. And with all the power that is in this word and in forgiveness, we can do away with sin in the name of Jesus. Is committed unto us the word of reconciliation. I can forgive you, you can forgive me in the name of Jesus. And it's gone. No more worry about it. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. That's not come to Christ if you feel like it, or when you feel like it, or or if you happen to feel real good some morning, then do it. It says, just do it. Be ye reconciled to Christ, for he hath made him to be sin for us. I believe that when Jesus was well especially from the time he took his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane and and it says that he became very heavy and in his spirit and the disciples went to sleep, he began to really suffer for the sins of the whole world. And we know that it it led to his death, but it led to some miracles also when things happened like that centurion saying, truly this was the Son of God. It was It was something that astounds man in his, you might say, not too much depth of understanding. Jesus became sin for us. It says, who knew no sin. It It wasn't his sin he suffered for. It was our sin he suffered for. My sin and your sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It's, it's hard for me to understand how I could be righteousness. That's what Jesus does for me. Let me read that sixth chapter. Just It's just such good words. If any of us sometimes, like I do, wonder about this walk of faith and and is it worth it and, and all these things. I'll read the sixth chapter to close here. We then as workers together with him beseech you also that ye might that ye receive not the grace of God in vain, for he for he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. 
in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, and imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. We, we see here the difference between our natural side and our spiritual side. That there is, there is so much depth in this word. Where was it? O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. Ye are not straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children. Be ye also enlarged. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness and what concord has Christ with Belial or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols for ye are the temple of of the living God as, as God hath said I will dwell in them and walk in them I will be their God and they shall be my people wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I'm going to read just a few more words here to close. Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. Shall we close with a benediction? May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.